This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Morena, no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irarangi o Natangata o Manawatu. Uh, it is a Tuesday morning and we are turning our attention to a, a new aspect to the catch up show. Uh, as you are aware, we've interviewed SIDA uh, representatives, local government, central government, all those types, journalists as well. Uh, but now we're turning our attention to Massa University, the big institution on the hill, uh, and finding out. Well, what's going on in there, who's participating, what work is being done. And we've got a bit of a coup here, actually. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, this is the uh, one of the more recent success stories to come out of Massey, in particular uh, the social work uh, sphere. Uh, Master of Social Work graduate James Cherrington, Te Iwi o Napui, Te Hapu o Natehine, walks in many worlds with a cultural background his sister refers to as a fruit salad. Uh, James clarifies his ethnic makeup up beautifully by saying I am not part anything. There are many worlds that are part of me. He whakapapas Māori, Nguyen, Samoan, English and Irish and he joins us this morning, James Atamarie. Kia ora koutou, uh, Yes, uh, and uh, it's Nguyen language. What, last week was Nguyen language week? Yes, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so, yeah. so a, a chance to, to celebrate that small part of your, your makeup. Well, most definitely, and like um, an important person that shaped me in my life was my Nguyen grandmother. So um, she lived in Northland in a rural Māori area for 40 odd years of her life, but um, I lived with her for a period of time and uh, probably um, she taught me the meaning of aroha and faith, so love and faith, and that they were both unconditional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and that was the beautiful thing about my name. So, yeah. Um, the new and um, part worlds that I've walked in are really important, and that comes from my nan and the things she taught me. And 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 love and faith is something I think that that, that can characterise the story we're about to tell, which is your change of career and, and and move into social work. Because in reading your story, your wife, uh, the love of your life, had a lot of faith in you and put a lot of effort into uh, encouraging you in this sort of personal growth part of your life. Most definitely. I mean, um, I I describe my wife as a hard headed woman from Ngati Wai, and. Um, there's a Cat Stevens song that sort of describes that. Like um, It says, I'm looking for a hard-headed woman, one who will make me do my best. When I find my hard-headed woman, the rest of my life will be blessed. <laughs> and and uh, that's the truth. You know, yep. um, My wife um, was the one that suggested I, I even look at Massey. Um, I was working, what, 12 to 14-hour shifts, six nights a week for Armour Guard Security, and not seeing my whanau, not seeing my wife or children, and... Not really happy. It was paying the bills, mm-hmm, but um, mm-hmm. not really happy. And she knew I was unhappy, and she was the one that said to me one day, look, we've got a university on our back doorstep. Why don't you go up there and see what you can do? So that started me thinking about what was I good at, what would I be interested in doing at Massey. And I never actually thought 
that is a place I belonged. Mm. I, I, yeah, yeah. You referenced that. You know, you, all you saw was a sea of Pakeha kids, and thought, yeah, no, this, this, this is well, my place. Yeah, I need. I mean, that I, my wife encouraged me the first time she said to go. I didn't go. I went, yeah, nah. And then eventually, I, after her, I won't say nagging, but but encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally persistent went, encouragement. Yeah, I finally walked up there, and then. Um, that was that was a very lucky day for me. I, I walked up into the past the registry building. And I saw all these kids because I was forty seven, you know. Mm. So any anyone probably under thirty is young to me, um, and I was just about to chicken out, you know, I was just about to walk away. And then this um, Kuya walked up to me and she said, "Oh, kia ora, what are you doing here?" And I said, "Oh, I'm thinking about studying." And she said, "Oh, well, come and have a couple with me." And I was just really blessed that she was um, a Māori student advisor. Mm-hmm. She sat down in front of some computers and she pumped out some course um, information and some possible pathways for me. Um, then I yeah, went back home and had a discussion about those and that's when um, my dad was still alive then and um, I lo- was looking at either teaching or social work and then my dad said to me, no, nah, you'd make a better social worker than a teacher. <laughs> so that decided that path. I think probably because I didn't have much knowledge of computers and wasn't very, I couldn't construct a Word document. Um, so trying to find an easy thing to enrol in at Massey. Yeah. And um, the one thing about the social work program, most of the papers are prescribed. Right. You don't have to choose. Like, yeah, yeah. like in the first year, I think six of them are required papers for the social work program and you get a couple of electives. Mm-hmm. So that made it a little bit easier too because it's like, oh, okay, so I only have to figure out another couple of papers. So, yeah. And, the journey the journey's quite interesting because a lot of what you're saying is not uncommon on its own. But, you know, mature students, that happens quite a lot. Uh, people wanting to change career, that happens quite a lot. Yep. Um, but all together... Um, and and with this, I mean, the thing that comes out of this for me is the support, your your wife's support, your obviously your father's advice, yep. uh, the kuya that you you met on campus almost coincidentally. Yep. Uh, this all speaks to, I guess, a really awesome support structure that exists at Massey and people should know about, but that people should try and um, well, get around themselves as well. Most definitely. I mean, I think um, the start was when. We wanted a better life for mm-hmm. ourselves, and I think before you go to Messi, you got to figure out what their dream is, what their dream is for you, what you're passionate about, what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always knew I was good at engaging with people. Every sort of job I'd ever had before that involved people. Very important you know? part of the security industry as well yeah. as being able to ke- connect with people and oh, de-escalate. And most definitely, I mean, um, and. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's what I thought I was good at. Um, we had that dream, but it, I think the key to the support was actually sharing that dream with my children and my wife. Mm-hmm. And then because over the first four years of our um, of me studying my bachelor's, my whanau really made sacrifices so mm-hmm. I could be there. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's probably the w- reason why I got good marks. It wasn't... Um, that I was overly bright, but when your wife's sacrificing working six days a week, when your children can't go to the one or two reps because you've got no money, mm. um, you really work hard to make them proud, but you also want them to be proud of their sacrifices. That, well, what was it like? Uh, I, mean, I mean, you've said it, uh, that in this article, being a mature student was also a learning curve. Um, 
I mean, what was your, your, your schooling like? Did you have an appreciation of how to study and how to learn, or was this all new to you? Uh, it wasn't all new. I mean, I hadn't, um, I hadn't sat an exam. I was 47. I hadn't sat an exam in nearly 30 years. Mm-hmm. I hadn't written an essay in nearly 30 years. Um, I did have a bit of computer knowledge, some of the past occupations I've been in. You use computers, yeah. but that's more about someone teaching you a function. And you go, yep, 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 and you learn it with the trainers and finally you can do it. So um, I had to learn things um, that most students didn't. Like in my class of 30, most of the students were 18 to 25 when I first started. Um, There were only four brown faces in the class and I was one of them. Um, But yeah, they had mastered computers. These kids were all way ahead of me. Mm -hmm. So I found um, at Massey a mature student's um, academic writing support group, so um, run by a lady called Prue Fry, awesome lady, um, and uh, so yeah, connected me to that group, and I went to that group, and that's how I helped to find out what the questions meant, because for me, um, I know uh, the language of academia is English, mm-hmm. but it was like a foreign language, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, when... Uh, when, some, when an essay question says discuss, to me that means talk about, but from an academic perspective it means look at four viewpoints, reference them, and then do some critical analysis about what you think the answer is. So, yeah, that was a real journey in mm-hmm. just learning the language, um, learning how to use computers. Um, my Probably for the first year, year we didn't actually have internet at home. So my wife um, had been in businesses where she was in those typing pools of when they had like twenty women typing up all the letters. Yeah. yeah. So in years gone by, so we had this old laptop at home that wasn't connected to the internet, and so I'd write out all my assignments on paper, and then my wife would type them up. And then she, because we had no internet at home, she'd put it on a memory stick and I'd go up to the Messy library just and, and submit, it, submit it on the Messy computers. That, that, I mean, that, that is sheer perseverance to, to make this change to your, your career path, but also this change to your well-being as a whanau as well as individually. I mean, you, you brute forced that, didn't you? Well, I think... It's something I said on a, on a TV interview um, recently was don't focus on the barriers or the I'd love two buts mm-hmm. because you'll probably never get off the couch. Yeah. You know? And um, I don't think we had that dream and I had that dream of getting to an occupation where I could was a helping profession where I could walk alongside Māori and Pacifica people. Um, so – what carries you through when you hit a barrier or something hard to do is the dream. Why am I doing this? You know, mm. and it was for my children and my wife and our our life. Like um, for four years at Messi, we used to drive an eighteen hundred dollar bomb with three different coloured paints on it. Yeah, yeah, and my kids were so fuckama about the car. When you take them to a birthday party, they go, "Hey, Dad, can you park down the street, please, and come pick me up on this corner?" <laughs> you know, it was like see. I think you just do what you have to do. And, you, and, and it had to be worthwhile as well because you, you got a scholarship, didn't you, as well? Well, I um, I got connected to um, a scholarship program called Todo Puawai. Now, I don't know if um, messy people or many people know about Todo Puawai, but it was a scholarship sent, uh, program, Māori scholarship program set up 20 years ago by um, 
Mason Jury and uh, the Ministry of Health, and it was designed to build a Māori mental health workforce. Now, um, it's actually a massively successful program, and I'm a mentor on that for others mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. But to, to illustrate the success, um, every year, 90 to 95% of the students on that program pass their papers, right? Wow. When you think of that from a Massey perspective, the students generally at Massey are probably looking at around 70, 75% as mm-hmm. the pass rate generally. So mm-hmm. here's a Māori program that's 20% ahead of that. Now, you've got to ask yourself, because this is the support I benefited from, right? Yep, yep. What, did, what did they do? What do they do different to achieve that sort of pass mm-hmm. rate? And they so provided me with mentors in the social work field. And when I got really stuck on subjects or, you know, I, in that first year I almost quit twice, and then the mentors would come and talk to me and what was the issue what were the, and help me work through those um, and when I was struggling with the concept, they would bring third and fourth year Māori social work students to sit down with this old fella and, and discuss the concept until I got it in my head. Yeah? And so that support in that first year kept me there, but it also um, was invaluable in understanding the, the culture, the concepts. And I found that I built an academic Māori whānau. There was a kaupapa whānau, so I wasn't just... Um, one or two people in a class of 30, mm-hmm. there were all these people from different backgrounds, different walks of life that were Māori that were coming in and willing to support me. Wow. Uh, we are here with James Charrington uh, talking about his journey through study uh, in social work at Massey. Uh, it, a truly inspiring story, and you will be able to listen to this uh, as a podcast if you want online, npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. Also, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Um it's not just about the study. I mean, that's done now. But now you you seem to have a, a, a renewed focus about what you want to do next, and and in particularly uh, systemic change, especially for Maori. Uh, you've referenced the scholarship program, which is basically doing that and doing it incredibly well in one small way. Yep. But you are obviously passionate, and, and we hear on the catch up uh, regularly uh, the unfortunate fact that Maori and Pacifica are often over or underrepresented in a negative way in most statistics. Um, so there is a, a, there's something broken in the system and it needs to be addressed. And, and, and you want to identify that, don't you? Well, it goes back to um, when I finished my degree, right? I was incredibly lucky when I finished my Bachelor of Social Work. Um, a lot of the Māori students that, were, or that finished with me went into government jobs, right? Like Oranga Tamariki, mm. mental health. But I was lucky enough to go into Kaupapa Māori, so a whānau organisation. Yep, yep. Um, and um, the Kaupapa and whānau order is about empowering whānau to take control of their own lives. So whilst I learnt about strength-based practice and empowerment practice at Massey, when I got to, f- to work as a whānau order navigator, um, I came out of Massey client-centred, mm-hmm. okay, but when in whānau order, it's a whānau order perspective. You don't work with people, you walk alongside them, yep. and you walk alongside the whole whānau. So you get mum involved, dad involved, the kids involved. Um, and on all my journey through Massey, um, you, every paper starts with um, 
a theory and then a model. And if you were really lucky, the, the lecturer come along and said, oh, and this is a Māori approach to that, mm-hmm. right? And so I kept looking um, through all my study in undergrad for Māori approaches because that was me or Pacifica approaches because that was me. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really find what I was looking for at Massey. So um, I remember writing a paper, an essay on behavioural theorists and I got an A-plus for the paper, right? So you had to find a behavioural theorist, critique the theory, have lots of references. But the very last line of the conclusion of my essay, I wrote, however, I still struggle to see the world through the eyes of a dead Frenchman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And so... There was a bit that was missing, you know, like I had these theories, I had these new skills, there was a bit that was missing. missing. And when I went to work in Kaupapa Māori, that's where I found um, a process um, that we use in fun order navigation. And the role that I have, the title that I have in my job I've had for five years is Kaifaka Arara, right? Okay. Now, kaifaka arara doesn't mean whānau order navigator. Right. What it means is person doing awakening, right? Now, the when you talked about the negative statistics and all that for Māori, yep, those are true. But a whānau order approach um, takes the approach of, well, let's not look at what's wrong. Yep. Let's look at the skills and the strengths that the whānau have to change their lives. And the key point to that is probably their dreams and aspirations. So... About two months ago, I was talking at a um, Final Order Navigator Hui, and I came up with an analogy of what a kaifaka arara does. So that analogy is we are not the uh, an a- the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Mm-hmm. We are the manu, the bird that flies from the top of the cliff. Our wings are te korawai o te ao Māori, the protective cloak of a Māori world, and the thermals that keep us flying are the dreams and aspirations of whānau. I love that. Kāpai? Yeah. Well, that it's in this little way, it sums up the approach. So I, in my master's thesis, I wrote about the practice of kaiwhakarara, the practice of whānau order navigators. I went out and interviewed them. I said, well, because we know what we do, mm-hmm. but nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Kāpai? So how do we do what we do? And that's what's in my master's thesis. And... Um, the second to last line of my master's or sentence of my master's thesis, I talk about the specific process that they use in the whānau order collective in our region. And it's it's a process called Tiara whānau order, so a pathway to whānau wellbeing. Mm-hmm. And what I wrote was Tiara whānau order is not a Western framework that includes Māori concepts or has been adapted for use with Māori. It is the opposite. Te Arafana Ora is based in Te Ao Māori and Mataranga Māori. It draws on Western concepts that are useful to tautoko and empower whānau to dream and achieve their dreams. That, yeah. I, uh, the, the whole time you were talking, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of forming this very sort of ignorant, naive view, but the systemic problem is it's simply that New Zealand is predominantly bicultural. There are two world views that often clash. And actually, what is what's good for me and my mental well-being and how I might uh, address things would not work for you, and vice versa. The issue is that a lot of uh, Pakeha and bureaucrats will say, "Oh, that's a separatist view. That's 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 two very distinct communities." But that's the way to fix it and make everyone happy and well, isn't it? Well, I think you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Okay, there's 
the Mason jury talks about um, um, working at uh, the um, what's the word when you're in a, in a space between two places. Mm-hmm. I've forgotten the word, but Mason talks about it, and the point that he makes really is that there's value in different worlds. So yep. my, my my summation of what the process we use as navigators yeah. was saying, yes, there is value in Western concepts, okay? But it's got to but, come but from... But the, ba- the base has mm-hmm. to come from the, the people you're walking alongside, yep. their values, their feel, their, um, the way they live their life, their viewpoint. So, yeah, when I, when I look at systemic change, and I've said this to a few fun order navigators and a few others, the process we look we use as navigators is about empowering whānau, irrespective of the system, to have a dream, figure out what that dream is, figure out what the strengths are they have to make that dream happen, what do they believe, not me as a practitioner, are the areas for attention in their life, and then to come up with a plan to make that happen. Now, what that is essentially doing is empowering whānau to do everything for themselves, and chase their dreams, a bit like I've chased my dreams. I was just going to say, yeah. you're, you're the living embodiment of that approach. But, uh, yep. you know. so, and it wasn't you alone that made that plan. Your wife helped, the, the career helped make that plan, and then you well, followed it. I through. didn't know about the process at yeah. the stage. Yeah. I yeah. wish I'd had a navigator. <laughs> it would have been a quicker process uh, eight years ago. But um, So, yeah, that, and in essence, what that, I mean, that's why my, the next phase of my PhD and the things I want to look at are around systemic change. I've worked for five years in this space. It's an aspirational space. I see people in whānau transforming, achieving their dreams, and then moving on to the next dream and the mm-hmm. next thing for them. So it's a beautiful space to work in. But what's not changing is the system. Kāpāi? Yeah. So my, you know, I've achieved my dream of, of a better life for my wife and children. I've achieved my dream of working in a, a helping profession with Māori and Pacifica. So... Then you have to go, wow, I've done that. I didn't think I could do that. What's what's the next dream? So that's why um, in my PhD, um, there's a lot of statistics that come out of the whānau order commissioning agencies and the Ministry of Whānau Order that says these are the outcomes that whānau are achieving, right? Mm-hmm. But there's not much of a whānau voice in that space. So my research, there is some, um, but my research, I want whānau to say, well, what was the difference with having a whānau order navigator walk alongside you? What were the transformations for you and your whānau? So um, our process really ignores the system and gets whānau to empower them to do things for themselves. Mm-hmm. But the system still is not changing, right? You're so, going to keep doing the same work over and over again with different people unless the system actually changes. Yes. So my... I thought, what can I contribute to this whānau water space? And that's why writing, um, I, I really, I suppose, by getting the stories from whānau of what's worked for them, what they've achieved, what their dreams are, what not focusing on the crises are, because another thing I wrote at the start of my master's thesis is when you focus on the dreams and aspirations of whānau, the crisis solve themselves, mm. Right. And I see that every day in my mahi. Like I go into a house and there might be mental ill health, there might be drug addiction, there might be domestic violence. Okay, If I go in there and try and fix that, I'm just another government department, mm-hmm. right, trying to fix the whānau. The whānau don't need fixing, they just need to use their own skills to, to, go, to chase their dreams because no one dreams of poverty, no one dreams of mental ill health, no one dreams of 
uh, addiction or, or domestic violence. So those aren't the dreams of whānau. So I, I play in that aspirational space or work, should I say. Uh, I enjoy it, so maybe it's play. But um, um, Find something and, you love and, and then and try and make money out of it. Oh, well, hey, it's not about money. No, um, but you've got to pay the bills. You know, yes, I mean, we, are, we have a better lifestyle than we have, but um, as with all systems, um, I have um, social workers that graduated with me earning 40K more than me mm. because NGOs don't pay yeah. highly. <laughs> You're um, preaching to the converted there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So for me, it's not about money. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the journey I'm on with whānau. But the next step about creating systemic change, like I work um, on a specific initiative within the Whānau Order Collective, which is a collective impact initiative. So I don't know if people know much about collective impact. Mm. It, it, it's basically very well-mapped out collaboration, finding out the skills and bringing people together to make something well, happen. The, what, that, what does that look like in practice, right? Mm. So um, if you think of all the services that might engage with my whanau, you've got WINS, you've got corrections, you've got the hospital and mental health, you've got Housing New Zealand, you, you know, you've got multiple organisations and some of my whānau at times were too busy to see James because they had too many appointments in yeah, one week, yeah. right? But what we've been able to do with the partners that have been contributing to this program for over five years now, um, we can achieve something which which is beautiful. We bring those partners together, we sit them down in the same room and we bring the whānau in. And then the whānau comes in and says, oh, my dreams and aspirations are. And instead of it being about an entitlement, it's, what can you guys do to help? Yeah. And, and you don't have and, to say it six times, you say it once. And the, the true collaboration. Mm. Like um, I remember we interviewed a whanau that were just graduating from our self-service. They'd achieve, achieved their dreams and aspirations. And I was asking the dad about the journey. And he said, well, when I came to that meeting, right, and my wife and I were sitting there and we cheered our dreams and aspirations and then all of a sudden – these people were starting to say what they could do to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the housing lady, the hospital person was saying what we could do for their son. And, you know, they, they were trying to help. And the dad, although that didn't achieve their dream then and there, mm-hmm. the dad went home and he shared with me, I was so happy that we went and bought KFC for the whole fun. <laughs> and we sat down in the lounge and we just ate KFC because he now believed that something different was going to happen. And I mean, this is, this, we're almost out of time, but this is the, the, the situation we hear often when people can't navigate the system, it doesn't work for them. We hear stories time and time again about people trying to work with wins is a, is a good example, mm-hmm. trying to, to get the help and just not knowing how to navigate that system. So having that collective impact model with, with you involved is, is obviously making a difference and that is awesome. Yeah. You said you're um, studying your PhD. Have you got the bug for study now? Do you think you'll ever stop studying um, or will it migrate to research uh, no well um, when I got my masters right we were at a hui not long after graduation and the guy that trained me as a final order navigator was there and he said hey bro you're one of them now and I says one of what you're an academic and I went <laughs> no bro I'm never going to be an academic I'll work in the front line with whanau so um, I think for me, the PhD is about um, systemic change. What can I do to contribute to that? So if I can prove the efficacy from whānau perspective of the process we use of whānau order, then I think that will contribute 
through collective impact to systemic change. Marvellous. We are sadly out of time. We could go on for another half hour, I'm quite sure. But if people want to know more about you, a quick Google of the name James Charrington will find uh, information on the Massey website. The story is there. Uh, true inspiration and a pleasure to talk to you this morning. Thank you for joining us. Awesome. And remember, if you want to listen to another edition of the Catch Up series, you can head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition at half past eight. Please do join us then. Bye for now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.